Pray you'd help us to understand the Bible, to believe the Bible, receive it into our hearts, be blessed, be helped. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to Exodus 3. We started this morning discussing Jesus, the I Am. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 7, if you have a holy Bible, you have this verse. Uh, if you have a modern version, you don't have this verse. 1 John 5, 7 says, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And we believe that. And people say that they can't understand how God could be Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost and, and be one, and yet they don't have any problem recognizing that they themselves are a spirit and a soul and a body, and yet they are one. And so we... We, we don't have to understand everything the Bible says about God. We believe it. But uh, it's, it's interesting how people understand or, or don't fight against similar truths about themselves that they fight against when those truths are set forth as pertaining to God. But the Bible says in Exodus 3 and verse number 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. That bush is a picture of God's people, the nation of Israel. They've been 430 years in the fiery furnace of Egypt. And yet for all the attempts by Pharaoh to destroy them, including uh, the, the mass execution of the male babies among the Hebrew people, that, that people survived. And to this day, that nation of Israel, like that burning bush, they burn and burn and burn and burn. How many nations have tried to exterminate that Jew? And for all of that, they have not been consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight where the bush is not burnt. And you would too. I'd like to see something like that one day, wouldn't you? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Notice interesting how the Holy Spirit says, Moses understood that he was looking upon God and, and hid his face because he didn't want to look upon God, though God had not visibly manifest himself. And the eye of faith is as real as the eye of sight, and to look upon an unseen God is no different than to look upon God should he make himself visible. And I hope you understand. The Bible says in one place, writing to people after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, it said, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, so on and so forth. So uh, to, to this day, we don't, with, the, with, the, with our physical eye, we don't see the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor do we see the physical manifestation of Almighty God, but we certainly look into the face of our Lord and behold it with wonder and joy and, and adoration. Well, I don't believe anything I can't see. Sure you do. Sure you do. You never called somebody on the telephone and heard their voice and felt the emotion in your heart and enjoyed fellowship and conversation with them and then said, well, I don't think they were even there. 
I couldn't see him. I don't believe in anything I can't see. Well, sure you do. You, you fellowship people all the time and have communion and people you don't, with, that you don't see. So anyway, Bible says in verse 8, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. Notice in verse 9, they weren't crying unto the Lord, but they were crying and the Lord heard them. And what a marvelous thing it is that before you were saved, The Lord heard the voice of your affliction, struggling under sin. And long before you called upon the Lord, the Lord came and answered to your cry for hope, for joy, for peace, for love, for life. What what an amazing thing. How that God was willing to make Himself known to us before we were even seeking Him. And the, the, the whole thing, this whole, whatever, whatever relationship you have with the Lord, it, it initiated with Him. It, started, it didn't start with you. It started with God. So, verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee, and this should be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God Upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, this interesting. They're his people. They don't even know who he is. Moses has chosen to lead his people, and Moses has to ask, Excuse me, um, who are you? Man, this is Mo- Moses isn't saying, yes, yes, sir, uh, and uh, I am. He said, uh, when I go down there, um, who'd you say you were again? They don't know him. They know there is a God out there somewhere who appeared to Abraham. They know there's a God out there somewhere who got Noah and his family through the flood. They know there is a God out there somewhere who uh, created Adam and Eve in the garden. They don't know who he is. See, I, I, I say this often, but, but I, don't, I don't think we understand the far better times in which we live. You've got everything God ever had to say to man right there in your hands, in print, in your language, with an ability to read it. Nobody, nobody in Egypt has a written copy of God's words. There's not one person that Moses is going to lead out of Egypt. There's not one person that's going to be left behind in Egypt that can pick up one scroll with one page of holy scripture upon it to reveal God to them. You know about darkness, man. The world's in darkness. And and the Lord, okay, you say, well, okay, so you pick up your Bible. Genesis 1, there's God appearing to, to Adam and his wife in the garden. Chapter 
4, there's God appearing to Cain to find out what happened with his brother. Chapter 6, there's God appearing to Noah, telling him to build an ark. Chapter 12, there's God appearing to Abraham, telling him to leave his country. Chapter 32, there's God dealing with Jacob. Exodus chapter 3, God appears to Moses, and you say, well, look at that boy, God, he just shows up all the time. That's almost 1,500 years of history, and God has spoken to seven people. That's it. Everybody else is just going on the, the family record passed from man to man of creation, of the flood, for the Hebrew people, the call of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for the Gentiles, nothing since the Tower of Babel. So we've got this idea that they were going to church every Sunday or could go to church every Sunday. If they didn't go to church, they could turn on a Christian radio station. When Christian radio died out, they could get on the Internet and have their choice of preaching. They didn't have anything. So when God appears to Moses, Moses said, "Okay, I mean, no offense, I'll, I'll do anything you say, Lord, but who are you? And the people are going to ask me. They've heard that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a God... And we worship that God, we just don't know who He is. So when they ask me to identify you, what shall I say? And the Bible says, in verse number 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And He said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. Now, this is what's significant. When he says, I am, that I am, and then brings your fathers into it. Did God create your first father? Yes, he did. I am that I am. Did your first father clothe that man with coats of skins in a garden so he could live by grace instead of die under condemnation? Yes, I am that I am. Did your father, though the race deserved destruction, did God tell your father Noah how he could be saved from the wrath to come? And did he save him and preserve him through the greatest judgment the world had known from that time to this? Well, yes, I am that I am. Did God preserve Abram? Did he save him by simple faith that when Abram believed what God said, was he saved by grace through faith? Yes, I am that I am. Now, here's, here's, what he, here's what, in that expression, that statement to Moses, God says, everything I ever was to someone you've heard about, everything I ever did in the records that have been given to you, I am today exactly what I was then. I am the creator, I am the forgiver, I am the sustainer of life, I am the one who sends judgment upon the wicked, I am the one who delivers the repentance. I, uh, all, all of that is me. Right now, today. 
Now, as we said this morning, I have in, in the church library back there, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of excellent biographies and historical records of men and women who have lived great lives for Jesus Christ. And you can read about what they were. But they are not what they were. They are dead, they are buried, they are absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. The life they lived came to an end. Before their life came to an end. Now, some of them would die suddenly in the prime of life. Martyrdom or accident would, would take them out. But many of them knew what all men know. The gradual decline of strength and the wearing away of the body and the limitations of their ability. So that even while they were yet living, the greatest servants of God who ever lived could not say, I am that I am. They couldn't say, today I'm everything I've ever been. But God, God could appear to Moses he could then step on the scene a century later, or centuries later, and appear to David. He could step on the scene centuries after that and appear to Malachi. He could step on the scene and, and to, to this very day, all eternity, and say, Whatever you've read about me, I am. That I am. Unchanged, undiminished, untainted by time, by circumstances, by events. Look in your Bible in Malachi. Malachi chapter number 3. That's the last book in your Old Testament. Malachi. And the third chapter. Malachi chapter 3 verse number 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Let's, let's look at every man that's ever lived. And let's, view, let's compare him to the I am in, a, in the positive regard. Isn't it a good thing that people develop and grow in knowledge and wisdom? But as you become more enlightened as to truth, even spiritual truth, even the truth of God, you are, you are now in a position to say, that's what I was, this is what I am. You get saved. Praise the Lord. You have passed from darkness to light. You were lost. Now you're found. Now that you're saved, the Bible says, grow in grace and knowledge. Now that you're saved, the Bible says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue uh, temperance and so forth. And, and, and so, I was lost, now I'm saved. I'm different. I was saved, now I've grown in the Lord. Uh, look, look, the very fact that I have to be saved, the very fact that I learn, that I grow, that I develop, that I mature as a Christian shows that even in the positives of my life, I come short of the glory of God. You cannot look at God today as compared with God 
in, in biblical times as compared with God in the days of Abraham and say, boy, he sure has grown. <laughs> Look how smart God's become. Look how strong God is now. See, he hasn't gotten any better. He was absolute perfection from all, for all eternity. I am that I... Now look at man in the negative sense. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, forgive me. Right? We fail, we sin, we disappoint, we, we miss the mark, we, we offend, and, and we try our best to make it right. God has never had to say, oh, my bad. I, I really messed that one up. That one's on me. Not one time. See? So, in a, in a positive sense, in a negative sense, our changes, for the, for the better or for the worse, are, are an illustration that we are not a perfect being by any, by any uh, standard. But God changed not. Was He true yesterday? He's true today. Was He holy yesterday? He's holy today. Was He all-powerful yesterday? He's all-powerful today. Could you trust Him yesterday? You can trust Him today. I am that I am. What, whatever you read about in here, that's who He is right now. Never changes. Now, come to, come to James chapter number 1. Book of James chapter 1. James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Okay, there, there is not... There is not a person here who has had a relationship with another person, a friend, a spouse, a parent, a child, who has not seen variations on the theme. Your husband, he's, he's always... 75, 80% of who you thought he was. But there's this 10% or 20% or 30% that's just always shifting and moving depending on the mood or the job or the finances or you or... <laughs> Come on. You, you don't know if the guy you're married to Monday is going to be that guy on Tuesday. It changes sometimes. Gentlemen, I ain't saying nothing. But, but that can't, I've heard that can happen with wives. That they can be a little different from time to time. Maybe. Your children? Hey, come on. Have you never sat down with your kids? They're, you know, 11, 12, and you come home one day and something happened. They cleaned their rooms, they did their homework, they set the table, they, they cooked some eggs or something up for supper, 
and you went to bed that night and said, I think they got it. And it lasted almost until you dozed off to sleep. And then you heard the fight start up in the bedroom. Right? Those kids, there there are certain things about them that are consistent, but there's a lot of things about them that are variable. Now here's the thing about God. You have never said, boy, what got into him? He wasn't like that last century. Come on, those, you, if you haven't read them, don't waste your time. But these mythologies of the, of the Greek gods and the Norse gods and the, and, you know, the Roman gods and all that, you don't know who you're dealing with from one day to the next. This is the righteous God, the defender of our country, and then he sees the gal God, and now he's the pervert God chasing the gal God, and, and she, right? I mean, you don't know, but the God of the Bible, he is never, Never anything but grace, but mercy, but truth, but righteousness, but love, but purity, but wrath, but judgment, but holiness, but justice. He doesn't change. There's no variation within Him. Now, would we say tonight, could we say tonight, everybody we've ever met or ever will meet is variable, but not God. Now, the next phrase says, uh, no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Here's the, here's the dial, the sundial, and the sun's hitting that thing head on. High noon. Shadow doesn't fall to the right, shadow doesn't fall for the, for the left. Not one degree. But then something moves. There's a shadow, look, it turned. There's a shadow, look, it moved. God, God has never cast a shadow when the light has shined upon him from eternity past to eternity future. No variableness or no shadow of turning. Now, there, there's not a person alive who hasn't budged a little on the truth when the consequences of telling the truth were too great. There hasn't been a person who ever lived that didn't waver in their heart under a given temptation or or a a certain set of circumstances. Now look, I I would say to you, God helping me, I'll be true to you. God helping me, I'll be honest toward you. God helping me, I, I, I will not sin against you. But you know as soon as I say it, you can't count on that. If you said, preacher, I'll tell you what, you count on me. Everybody else, everybody else may, uh, you know, bail out. Everybody else may, but you count on me, preacher. I'm telling you, well, till when? Till what? There is not a person living who, under the right set of pressures or opportunities, isn't going to cast a shadow. You're going to move. I've never bought a lottery ticket, but every time that thing gets up triple digit millions, I have this little conversation with the Lord about, wouldn't it be nice if somebody would get that money to use it for you? And I don't hear an audible voice, I just know myself well enough to get the response. What makes you think you're going to be that guy? 
We'd all spend $100 million right, wouldn't we? Well, how have you done on the 100? Never mind the 100 million. If you haven't spent the 100 for God's honor and glory, why would he think we'd spend 100 million for his honor and glory? This fellow, I've had two people through the years. One, one was a man, one was a woman. They came and said, Preacher, I know, you, I know you don't like gambling or anything, but, uh, but I play that lottery, and I promise you, if I win that lottery, I'm going to give 10% to this church. I said, no, you're not. And they both were offended. said, well, how dare you say that? I said, you don't give 10% of the measly money you got right now. You're not going to give 10% of that. Somebody can't write God a check for $11 is not going to write God a check for $11 million. There, there is no way, man. Their arm would go into paralysis trying to write that check. <laughs> Just would, would not happen. So anyway, so, so let's, let's say tonight, every man is variable. Every woman casts a shadow. All of us are changeable. Fair, is that fair enough? All right. Hebrews chapter 13. Having read those verses, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, if he doesn't change, he's more than a man. If he doesn't vary... He's more than a man. If he doesn't alter his position enough to cast a shadow, he's more than a man. We saw this morning, he said over and over and over again, he claimed to be the I am. What's the proof? Did he ever lie? Did he ever put self ahead of others? Did he ever violate a single command of God? You talk about pressure, you've never been tempted 40 days by Satan himself. You talk about opportunity, why a man could could hide himself and and make himself visible and invisible at will. A man with the power to turn stones into bread. A man with the power to take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000 people with it. A man with the power to raise the dead and give sight to the blind. Man, if there was the slightest, slightest trace of corruption in him. What a monster of iniquity he would have been. But he said, Prince of this world's come. He found nothing in me. Devil, there wasn't enough place in Jesus for the devil to put his foot to even begin to try and take a stand. If Jesus never changes and God never changes, he is the I am manifest in the flesh. Look what he says. Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. This is why it's so discouraging trying to get unsaved people to trust Jesus. Because the minute you say to them, I I, I really want you to trust the Lord. Their mind, before they even say it, their mind is flooded with, tell them about the preacher that lied to you. Tell them about the Christian that didn't pay you. Tell them about somebody you knew that went to church that was a hypocrite. We've already admitted that. Everybody sins. 
variance. Everybody is variable. Everybody changes. We're not asking you to trust the body of Christ. We're asking you to trust Christ. We're not asking you to trust the people that tell you about Jesus or claim to follow Jesus or sing songs about Jesus or preach sermons about Jesus. Of course you can't trust them. They're just like you. Only they had sense enough to trust the Lord to forgive their sins and you're standing there unforgiven. We're asking you to trust Him. I knew knew this Christian one time and he lied to me. Jesus never lied to you. I knew this Christian one time and he he cheated me. Jesus never cheats you. I knew this Christian one time he took advantage of me. Jesus never take advantage of you. He's the same. Yesterday, today, forever. The Bible says, Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 1, Revelation 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches. Again, skipping down, same chapter, verse 18, or 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto, unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, first of all, for Jesus to make this statement, I am the first... Okay, not going to argue with you, but supposing you are the first, how could you say at this moment in time, I am the last, unless there is no possibility of you changing? Unless there is no possibility that you will ever be anything other than what you are, You can say I'm the first, but you can't say I'm the last. But Jesus could. When the season is over, the team hoists the trophy. Well, the team doesn't. The guys that do all the dirty work, they don't even get interviewed. They're not even in the photograph. But the the star of the team, he holds the trophy up, and the confetti's falling. and And he says, we are the champions, and we'll always be the champions. No, he doesn't say that. Because what he is this year, chances are almost certain he won't be that next year. That woman that won Miss America in 1971, she ain't winning it this year. Guaranteed. Now, come on, whatever, whatever it is, whatever job you have, glad you got a good job. Got a home? Glad you got a nice roof over your head. Got some clothes you styling this evening or not styling this evening? Glad you got clothes on your back. But you can't say, I'll always have this job. I'll always live in this house. I'll all. It's impossible. There's too many factors that are greater in power than you are. But Jesus stood right there and said, I am 
right now, what I was in the beginning and what I will be in the end because I am the one and only unchangeable permanent thing in this universe. That's Jesus Christ. He's the I am. Now, one time, he came down here and see the passage. Well, well, now, wait a minute. Okay, I, I, know, I know what you saw there. One day, he came down here in a body of flesh. And you think some people killed him. But they didn't. He took that body of flesh so he could die. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it up again. No man taketh it from me. John 10, 17, 18. So when the Romans came out, the Romans didn't kill him. They came out to arrest him and he said, I am he, and they fell down backwards like dead men on the ground. They couldn't have taken him to trial if he hadn't let him get up off the ground. Pilate said, don't you know I have power to release you or I have power to crucify you? He said, you have no power at all. We didn't let you have it. Isn't that right? Okay, so he goes to that cross. Now, now look. That body, he's bearing our sin and his body on the tree. And they're going to take that body down and wrap it in swaddling clothes and lay it in a tomb. And it's going to lay there for three days and three nights. Jesus says while he's hanging on that cross, there's a thief beside him that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, see you this afternoon. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He's not dead. The body indeed is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now you get that when you trust Jesus. He had that eternally. He is alive when he goes to the cross. He is alive when he's hanging on the cross. He is alive when his spirit departs from his body. He is alive when they lay that body in the tomb. He is alive in paradise that day. He is alive three days and three nights later when he re-enters that body and resurrects it. The resurrection of the body. And he walks out of that tomb and they, the angel rolls the stone away so that people can go in and see that he's gone. He was the Alpha and the Omega in the heart of the earth while the women are preparing the spices to put on the body. He's down there getting the keys to death and hell while men thought he was dead. And he walks out and says, look what I got. Well, where'd you get those? Well, I got those while I was in the lower parts of the earth. I thought you were dead. No, I was absent from the body. I am that I am. That's, that's powerful being you're cursing there on your job, mister. Not you. I'd pick another name besides Jesus to use the cuss word. If I, want to, if I want to blame somebody every time I stub my toe or drop something, I, I think I'd curse Allah or 
Muhammad or Joe Smith or somebody, I think, I, I think I'd leave Jesus alone. Just let's give you a little heads up. He's not the one you want to toy with. It's a powerful being. You know, eventually, maybe, you doubt to get to the place where you can get the upper hand on him. But not Jesus. He doesn't change. I hit the prime of manhood about 13 years old. Saw my dad sitting in a chair one evening reading a newspaper. Way past his prime. And so I just had that thing come over me that came over me so often in my life. And I just smacked that newspaper out of his hand. Startled him. I was about to laugh for the way he jumped. But before I could laugh, he was on top of me. And he had, he had both my arms pinned to the ground with his knees, and he's just punching me in the, in the ribs with this big smile on his face, saying, you ready to take the old man? You ready to take the old man? He's been dead for several years. I wouldn't walk by and kick dirt on his grave. <laughs> just fear he'd get out of there and beat me up again. <laughs> He, he, he had this thing he'd do. He'd, he'd tell you, he wouldn't make a fist. He'd, he'd put one, he was a boxer in the Navy, but he'd put one finger up like that, and he'd hit you right here in the arm. And it, just as soon as he hit you, he'd put a welt on you. And he'd say, want to see a frog jump? And he'd, he'd hit you in the arm, and, and, and that muscle would pop out. They call that child abuse nowadays. Just, it was... Just raising kids back in the, back in the time. All right, Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. The Bible says in verse twenty three. Look at the middle of the verse. I am He, which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, truth be known, there's not a person living who knows what's going on in your heart. There's not a a person on the face of this earth that knows what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. Including you. The Bible says, heart's deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who so trusts his own heart is a fool. You don't even know what's going on in your heart. You have thoughts in your mind that that weren't your thoughts. They just showed up there. But there's somebody who doesn't have to pretend to be reading your palm. There's somebody who doesn't have to hold a lock of your hair in their hand. There's somebody who doesn't have to turn out all the lights and hold hands around the table. There's somebody to look right into the depths of every one of our souls and say... That's what you are. That's why you did that. That's what you need to work on. That was... That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Now, here's the funny thing. You go downtown on a Friday afternoon, go to Orlando on a Saturday night, go to a football game, and you go out there and you've got a sign that says, Jesus saves. And hundreds of people walk by and... Just get on with their life. 
Who stops? Well, I want you to know that I grew up in church, and I was raised in Sunday school, and I heard all that junk. Yeah, and that's exactly why you're the one that's so bothered. Because there's a God who's saying to you, yeah, and how come you're not doing it now? What do you got against me? Well, I want you to know all that hellfire damnation. I had that stuff shoved down my throat when I was a kid. I don't want nothing to do with that anymore. Yeah, well, why don't you? You shove dope down your throat. You shove liquor down your throat. You shove, you shove everything, tobacco down your throat. How come, how come the only thing you consider shoving down your throat is Jesus? What's, what's the matter with you anyway? Uh, you know what? I, I'm a Christian just like you are, and I don't think you should be doing it. What's your problem, man? Somebody, somebody messing with your heart there? Somebody bringing some things to your remembrance you tried to forget? You're not, you're not raving mad because you're an atheist. You're raving mad because you thought you'd gotten rid of God. And here he comes in full force saying, remember me? He tries the hearts. He tries the reins. And if he does that of every man, Jesus said, I try the heart, I try the reign of every man, then he's God. He is the I am. Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. So the whole, the whole creation is temporary. It's failing. So much for evolution. The whole thing just fizzled out and disappeared. <laughs> just gone. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. There's nothing. And I am creates the heavens and the earth. There's no one. And I am makes man in his own image. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I am is made flesh and dwells among us and dies to pay for our sin. And now the heavens are gone and the earth is gone. And the race of man has run its course. And it's time for the final judgment at the white throne. And look who's there. I am that I am. I am that I am. What I was in the beginning, what I was in the middle, 
I am in the end. And there's nothing else that abides but the I am and those who put their trust in Him. Everything else is gone. That's it. Enjoy NASCAR, enjoy fishing, enjoy hunting, enjoy the mall, enjoy shopping, enjoy cooking and baking, enjoy the restaurant, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family. It's all temporary, it's all changing, it's coming, it's going, it's rising, it's falling. But there's one constant I am that I am. There is one place to put your trust. I am that I am. There's one sure bet. I am that I am. After 2,000 years of assaults from every direction, men are left to believe the Bible or disbelieve the Bible they have yet to disprove a word of it. What can be proven has all been proven true. Archaeologists take this book, they go to the deserts of the Middle East, they stick a shovel in the ground, and they find a city exactly where the Bible said it would be. It's all been proven. It's all been verified. They find scrolls. They find records. They find historical documents. They never disprove the Bible. They always match the Bible. Science says for a hundred years, this is so, that is so. And then with a blush on their face, embarrassment in their voice, they admit, oh, new discovery. Sorry. And the new discovery always matches what's in the Bible. Everything from the Bible that can be verified has been verified. Why would I not trust that which cannot be verified until we pass from this life to the next? Heaven and earth shall pass away. God's word shall not pass away. And the one thing you can count on in this life and the next, I am... That I am. And they called his name Jesus when he walked this earth. Praise God. Father, why you made us, we do not know. Why you love us, we do not understand. But we choose to trust you. We choose to put our faith in the only one we can lean upon with confidence. May it ever be so. May our hearts never, never fail to put our trust, our confidence in our great God. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen.